Shining a light on autism and life on the spectrum. Welcome to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. A podcast breaking down barriers, stigma and misconceptions around autism. And now, here's your neurologically different host, Orion Kelly. Welcome and thank you so much for listening to My Friend Autism. I'm Orion Kelly and I'm autistic. But what's critical to understand is that I'm just one autistic person. So if you've met one autistic person, well, you've met one autistic person. No two autistic people are the same, okay? We have individual strengths and challenges. And this podcast, well, it seeks to break down stigmas and misunderstandings around autism while increasing the level of understanding and acceptance of autistic people. Now, I do blogs, these podcasts, and have a YouTube channel with plenty of videos on autism. So, well, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, we should subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just look for Orion Kelly, that autistic guy on YouTube, and make sure you click on that notifications bell as well. And go to my website, orionkelly.com.au, where you'll see everything you need to know. It's a one-stop shop, blogs, podcasts, videos, your chance to say hey. You can reach out on my socials as well. Like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook, find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Online at orionkelly.com.au. Now, on this episode, we're going to be tackling the issue of workplace discrimination and exploring the question is your workplace discriminating against autistic employees? You probably don't even know you're doing it. I'm not suggesting people are doing it intentionally. I'm just saying let's shine a light on this and let's discuss how it can affect autistic people because there's a few things to keep in mind here. Okay, so number one, I've worked my entire career as a, well, basically in media, okay, and predominantly on the radio. So I've worked in what you'd class as a mainstream industry and mainstream companies. And my diagnosis as an autistic adult didn't come until much later in life. So I had my entire career up to date being autistic, but not knowing I was autistic and wondering why I would have these speed bumps, you know, in my career, in my roles, in my jobs. And you just assume, well, it's because I'm just a bad person or I'm just not very good with people or I just am not designed to be successful or whatever way your brain tries to rationalise it. And that's all rubbish. I'm autistic. I was born autistic. I'll die autistic. So when I was working in workplaces, in mainstream workplaces, there were things that got to me. Let's discuss them. And like I said, I've had a long, long history working for mainstream companies in mainstream industries. So I'm bringing genuine life experience here for those who are autistic and may be just about to dip their toe in the water of employment. Maybe there's parents or carers listening of autistic kids wondering, how will my son or daughter ever get a job in a normal, everyday, mainstream workplace? Well, well, hopefully this podcast and the YouTube video I did on the same topic, you can go and check out the YouTube video, is your workplace discriminating against autistic employees? Hopefully it will make the world a better place. 
the employment world a better place for autistic people right across the planet. Okay, so let's start off with what I think is absolutely the thing. And it's been the thing for, well, what, a decade, maybe two decades? It's really the thing that everyone thinks, well, all offices should be open plan offices. God of the days where everyone has an office with a door. And I, I get that. I can see the rationale there. When you want to have a cohesive team working the most efficiently they can, being as productive as they can, you, you want people to all be in it together. Okay, so the open plan offices, and they have like these work pits, right? Shared spaces. Well, we get why they're there. But from an autistic point of view, they can be very overwhelming. As an autistic person, these are the kind of places that can really lead or trigger meltdowns or shutdowns. Now, a meltdown, obviously, is a much more external response to my sensory needs being really overblown, okay? So my ability to interpret and process the world around me just crashes, okay? And you have outbursts or meltdowns. But shutdowns, for those that aren't too sure... And certainly people who have businesses, you don't want things that would lead to an autistic employee shutting down. And I mean in the autistic sense, because what that means is it's basically a brain freeze. We can no longer cope. We can no longer cope with the world around us because of whatever has triggered it. And we've gone from being happy and productive to actually being frozen, unable to go on to work out what's next to bring ourselves back. So a shutdown is super, super detrimental to productivity. And in the end, productivity is clearly an important part of business. And as an autistic person, I think it's important that you know, really everyone who wants a job, be that autistic or you know, non-autistic, neurotypical, understands that when you, if you want a job, if that's what you want to do, you don't want to work for yourself, you want to work for someone else, well, sure, you should do something you love and you should enjoy it and it should be a safe environment. But in addition to that, you should understand you are there to produce something for the person you work for. And therefore, productivity is important. So we can't just say this is all about just making autistic people happy. This is making autistic people happy so they can therefore be productive and provide you with a service that you require. So this is a win-win, the way I'm looking at this. I'm not looking at this to make people's lives hard. I'm looking at this to open up the door to some neurodiversity within your workplace, providing autistic people the chance to thrive and produce. So productivity significantly impacted by expecting or even forcing an autistic person to carry out their duties in an environment like an open office plan because there's people everywhere, right? Open offices is just hustle and bustle. Work pits, close proximity to people. Someone is on the phone or typing away at the computer. These are nothing to most people. Autistic people having the, the chatter, the keyboard taps and all the different sounds, it might be all you need, I can tell you what it is for me, to just completely stop. I, I, I'm sorry, but I can't keep doing this if you're going to keep doing that, right? <laughs> keyboard tapping. Oh, God. Seriously. Does it have to be that loud? I'm, are you hoping your fingers will eventually go through into the computer and you'll become one with it? What are you doing? It's not a typewriter. It's a computer. Okay, so let's consider some solutions, right? How about spaces removed from that noise, that action, that hustle and bustle of the open office plan space? Understand that when you cater for an autistic person, well, you're simply providing solutions and facilities for a person with a disability. So it's not like you're 
being a nice person. You're just living up to your legal obligations, by the way. But in the end, regardless of how you look at it, it is going to result in higher productivity. Now, I personally don't think the whole headphones thing is enough for me. I know some autistic people just like to go to work and wear headphones all day. They might be noise cancelling or they might like some sort of music, and that's cool. But I think we have to look at it more broadly. It's a whole of workplace mindset. That's what's required to help autistic people thrive in an office environment and to increase their productivity. If you're going to have these open office setups, at least find a space that is away from the hustle and bustle for an autistic person to thrive. Because I can tell you, there are autistic people that can do the job you are looking for someone to do better than the people you're currently interviewing. Neurodiversity, it will be an extraordinary benefit to your company or business. I'm telling you, trust me, give it a crack. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is really an extension of open offices. It's a thing called hot desks. Now, this is the kind of switcheroo type thing where, I don't know, God knows why people decide, hey, it's a new week. Everyone's moving desks or areas. Or like, what are you talking about? Requiring an autistic person to move desks and spaces on a regular basis can be really detrimental. Now, for an autistic person, it can cause stress, anxiety. Why? Because we never know where we're going to be moved to or when. Now, we don't want that. We want stability. Remember, routines, rituals, predictability, they're critical for autistic people. We depend on them. This is the kind of stuff that keeps us and an even kilter. Remember, our brain is different, so we actually see and experience the world differently. So we are constantly processing a world not built for our brain and then trying to process that and, I guess, let it manifest externally so we come across as someone who fits into society, right? So you add all that extra stress and anxiety of, oh, now I've got to change desks and spaces, but this is my safe space where I can be really productive. Well, what do you expect to happen? Again, productivity will go down. So how about this? Like we did with open offices, consider a space removed from the main area, the main hustle and bustle of the open office plan where autistic people have permanently assigned desks. A removed space for autistic people or an autistic person to hang their hat on, to call their own. And then you're going to see the genuine benefits of neurodiversity, productivity up, different ways of thinking up. It's a win-win. I don't think this is necessarily just an issue for an autistic person, but lighting and noise in a workplace can have a serious impact on an autistic person's productivity. Okay, so... Putting aside the fact that it's an issue for everyone, by no stretch of the imagination would I accept anyone who is not autistic and he's a neurotypical person, a non-autistic person without any other disability. Never would I accept that person saying, well, it affects me as much as it affects you. No, it doesn't because with an autistic brain, we're processing things around us, not only constantly but at a much higher level. So we have a hypersensitivity. We are, in effect, superheroes. You can think about this. Look around your office right now. Are the lights bright? Are they really like bright surgical lights? Are you performing surgery? No, you're not? Good. Then why are the lights so bright? You are performing? Why are you listening to my podcast, performing surgery? What is wrong with you? (laughs) Loud noises. 
They're going to produce sensory overload. We've talked about this, sensory overload. The sensors that we have, the hypersensitivity, pick up things at a higher level. And therefore, our ability to be overloaded by too many sensors that need to be processed and picked up, right? Sight, sound, smell. All, when you put them all together, it overloads us. Fluorescent bulbs. They're bright and they flicker. Bright LEDs. Bright LEDs, they're everywhere these days, right? They've got them in roofs, they've got them in lamps, they've got them everywhere. Some change colour, some flash, some are bright, some are cool. I mean, honestly and truly, how many types of lights do we... It's a workplace. Will I be required to dance? Where where am I? Windows. You think, well, who cares? No, not who cares. Windows without curtains. That means you get all sorts of light coming through, right? Bright light, sunlight, the light that kind of glares, you know, morning light, afternoon light. The bright lights of the night. There's all different types of things that come through windows. So windows without curtains, they're big. And then you've got multiple noises in the office. So from my point of view, working in radio for years, when you work in a radio station, what do you think is blaring out of the roof of that radio station? Regardless of where you go in the radio station, whether it's the toilet, the kitchen, your office, the foyer, the studio, walkway, wherever, what do you think's blaring out of the roof? Yeah, the radio station is. Okay, and that's cool. I'm the dude on the radio, right? So I'd, I'd like to be able to hear what's going on. If I've got to run off to the toilet, that's, I want to hear the radio. Cool, no worries. But when you think about it from an autistic person's point of view, what if they aren't the person on the radio? What if they're doing anything else in any other workplace and you have just any radio station or you ha- you're just streaming music, right, in the roof because it, it adds to the ambience? Don't forget, you've got a full list of bookings coming in for dinner tonight. You better have your ambience ready. I mean, it's a workplace. You add all these things up, you know, the lights and all the noises and the smells, and then you think, okay, so we've got people on the phone, we've got people tapping the keyboard, right? We've got music coming out of the roof. We've got people coming and going. I've got no ability in any respect to adjust any of those variables, any of those factors. But then I'm still expected to act in a workplace via the HR policies built for no one but non-autistic people, neurotypical people. I'm expected to behave appropriately. Well, no, all those things combined will absolutely cause problems for an autistic person. So like we've talked about, all those things, put them together. Okay, well, that's just too much. Like, think when you've been overloaded. It's just too much, right? When too many people, I guess, are asking you for things or talking to you. It's like, whoa, stop. Everyone stop. I'm, you know, I'm, everyone stop talking at once. I'm completely overloaded, right? You know that moment when you have? If you're not autistic, you can relate to that, right? It's like, everyone, can you just stop talking for a second, so I can just gather my thoughts here. Look, one at a time, please, right? Okay, great. So now you have some sort of insight into what sensory overload feels like. All the sounds and the sensory things being detected through my ears, eyes, nose, all these things pile on top of each other, one after the other, and I become sensorily overloaded. That causes Different things from meltdowns to outbursts to shutdowns, none of which are good for productivity. Not only that, but they cause the autistic person stress, anxiety, sometimes migraines, headaches, body aches. I mean, this is commonplace for autistic people in mainstream workplaces. Mainstream workplaces desperately require autistic people, that neurodiversity, to really think differently and to really produce much different levels of product and productivity. In spite of that, no mainstream workplaces, for the most part, are even remotely close to being inclusive, to being built 
with autistic people having any consideration given. So what do we do? What's a solution? This podcast is not about problems. This podcast is about highlighting issues and offering some suggestions. So how about we consider allowing autistic people areas, like we've talked about in the first couple of examples, that have controllables, okay? They can control the lighting. So, okay, so for example, maybe there's dimmer switches on the roof lights or maybe there's no roof lights and just lamps, okay? Other things like the ability to adjust the environment when needed, okay? So maybe they have their own climate system. Maybe the windows in your office are supposed to be nice views. They're those kind of offices that don't have curtains because that would be ridiculous, right? Okay, well, maybe put a curtain in the area where the autistic person can put it up or down, due to different lighting conditions, that kind of stuff. All, all I'm saying is, would you consider allowing an autistic person the ability to control parts of the controllable things in their little part of the world, right? To adjust the environment around them in their workplace. This would be a massive step forward into lessening sensory overload, meltdowns, shutdowns, and creating a higher level of productivity for an autistic employee. The next way I want to talk about how workplaces can discriminate against autistic employees is something that I've experienced all too well, all too often, and oh man, I'm just bloody horrible at them, and that is mandatory gatherings, right? So there's this this general belief that every employee must attend and participate in office events, office gatherings, office activities, right? I get it, I get it. Most employees look at it like, well, I'm getting out of work, right? I get, I get a break, I get to hang out with my workmates. It's pretty good. I'm liking that. But for autistic people, it can feel like forced fun, right? Forced socialising. Forced activities. Because as an autistic person, I go to work to work. I like my job. I like my work. So that's why I'm doing it. And that's why I go there, to work. I don't go to work to do things I'm not interested in or put myself in social situations I'm not equipped to handle. I don't go to work in the hope that I'll get to go bowling with my workmates, right? I don't go to work in the hope that I'll get to go to a karaoke bar with my workmates, So forcing autistic people to attend office gatherings is forcing us into situations we're not always able to handle, process or interpret. As someone who's had a career in media, in commercial radio, events with clients, parties, pubs, clubs, dinners, sports, these are things that I've just done constantly. I mean, I get most people can relate to the, the office Christmas party, okay, but imagine an office Christmas party every month, right? And that's kind of, that could be, that technically can be the life of a, of a person in radio. Now, now for starters, I'm not saying that's bad. It's, well, it's bloody amazing. But you have to look at it from an autistic point of view. Okay, cool. I get that, man, we have parties with clients and celebs and, I don't know, listeners and staff all the time. And it's pretty cool. But from an autistic point of view, it's not that cool. I mean, it's just overwhelming. Doing that is being put in a situation where we're just going to work to work and then being taken out of that fishbowl, taken out of the water and put on land and told, great, action. You know, it's, it's overwhelming to the point of shutdown. And again, in my own personal experience as an autistic person, this comes down to this 
this different way of seeing and experiencing the world, having an autistic brain means that some of my challenges are social, social interaction, uh, reading cues, body language, nonverbal cues, verbal cues, tone, that's another thing. Not only reading tone, but actually using tone. These things are, are really, really tricky. They're challenges. It's not just I'm shy. No, I'm not shy, I'm autistic, okay? And the ability to know the line to, you can't cross. As an autistic person, I am, well, look, in my opinion, I just think I'm just open and honest where neurotypical people, non-autistic people might argue I'm not open and honest, I'm brutal and harsh. But it's only brutal and harsh when it's the truth and you don't want to hear it. No one in the history of the world has ever been told the truth and upon liking the truth, being happy they heard the truth, going, geez, you're brutal and harsh. So it's only brutal and harsh when it's the truth, but you don't like it. That's conditional. So I don't buy that. But as an open, honest, and very different thinking kind of person, it can go all sorts of ways in, in these mandatory gatherings, these mandatory socializing situations. Because you never, people don't know how to take you and they don't know if you're being serious or you're joking and all these types of things, which I find hilarious. And that's one of my favorite hobbies, one of my favorite pastimes. Constantly joking to someone in my natural way, but not telling them I was joking. I think it's hilarious because they just, they just don't, you can see their brain just kind of, all right, how do we, how do we sort this out? Consider allowing employees the opportunity to not attend office gatherings. This doesn't have to be just autistic people. The idea of having an opt-in, opt-out policy makes a lot of sense. Forcing all your employees, for example, to go paintballing, right, or go-karting or 10-pin bowling or whatever it is as like a quasi-team-building exercise. But really, that's not what it is. It's just let's do something, I guess, to help morale or whatever. That's great for the people that want to be a part of it. But the people that are forced to do it will not provide you with the result you require anyway. You're not going to lift someone's morale by forcing them into an exercise they don't want to do tasked to lift their morale. Do you see the point? So it's very simple. Just consider having an opt-in, opt-out process. Employees are allowed to not attend office gatherings. And closely connected to this mandatory gatherings thing, I think another big issue is... You know those kind of pop-up meetings or those pop-up activities that officers have? I think that's another thing that can really discriminate against autistic people. I'll tell you what I mean. Like we've talked about already with the hot desking stuff, autistic people, we really depend on predictability. We, we really like structure and we like to really know what's going to happen or plan our day out and, and do the day as it's been planned. We also, I guess, rely on notice for meetings and catch-ups, as in, let's say you're in a workplace where every Wednesday morning there's an all-staff meeting where all staff get together and I guess the department heads just go through a few things and everyone just gets a broad overview on what's happening across the company or the workplace or the business that particular week, right? So I know and I've got a full week to prepare myself. And again, you think, for what? You're just sitting there. First, you've got to go there and it won't start straight away probably. So you're going to have to process, digest, and interact with people, right? You're going to have to take all that, people asking you questions or coming up to you or talking to you or whatever. And there's all the sensory stuff and all the things we've talked about. We don't need to go back into it. But of course, that's important, right? I've had that time, that lead up to prepare my mind mentally for it. And also I've built that into my day. Okay, so today I've got to remember, we've got that meeting. So I've got to do this, then the meeting, then this, and I can fit it all in. 
But when you hold pop-up meetings, spontaneous meetings or spontaneous gatherings, well, there's a big impact on autistic employees. Again, this is because of what I've just spoken about, that need for predictability to help with productivity, to know where you're headed each day, what you're planning on achieving, and being able to achieve it. I think that's really important. And when you just have a scenario where your manager or your boss or whoever just decides, oh, you know what, we should have a meeting this morning, quick, quick meeting for, for talk about blah, you have to consider the impact that will have on an autistic employee. And clearly, under no circumstances, am I suggesting for a second that pop-up or spontaneous or last-minute meetings are not appropriate in the business world? Well, of course they are. These types of things have to happen. Things pop up. Things need to be addressed. Things need to be sorted, communicated. Totally get it. So it's not about that. It's about how can we go about this? How can we continue to do these types of things without impacting the productivity of an autistic person? Well, for starters, if they're pop-up or spontaneous activities, well, I just don't want to hear about it. Like, seriously, refer to my last point. You can't just decide, oh, you know what? I've decided today at lunch we're all going to go out for lunch and then 10-pin bowl or something. I mean, Well, no. I mean, and if that's the case, cool. Just make sure you've got that policy put in to opt in or opt out. There's no need for, for a workplace ever to do something that spontaneous because people are people and they have jobs to do and they, they know what they've got to get done and a lot of them want to get done so they can go home to their family and friends or go away for the weekend or they can go to a footy game. You know, they have plans outside of work. So people can be affected by these types of things, no worries. Okay, so putting that aside, because I just think that's just stupid, spontaneous activities that aren't even necessary. That's just stupid. But pop-up meetings, they're relevant. They're appropriate. Okay, so what we could do, a couple of options here. You could consider telling autistic people before everyone else of this last-minute meeting. So clearly at some point in the day, in the morning, you've decided, okay, this has come up. We should really get together and talk about this. At that moment there, you've decided, okay, well, let's have a meeting at blah, right? That's when you call or email your autistic employee and go, hey, we've just had something come up. We're going to talk about it at 9 or at 9.30 or at 10 or whatever. Just giving you the heads up so you can prepare for it. You know, and that means they'll know, okay, this is coming up now in this window. I'll push this here, move that there. And it doesn't actually impact them in the same way if you just threw it on them, just dumped it in their lap. They have time to prepare for this unplanned disruption, right? Because the day is planned for predictability. The other option, which I like, is you could email the autistic person and say, we've had something pop up. We're going to have to get together basically in the next five minutes to talk through it. I know that might not be the best thing for you. So I've just written down in this email the key points we're going to discuss in the meeting. So you can just continue working and you don't have to attend the meeting, right? There's another option because autistic people, some of them, certainly me, I like emails. I don't like calling many people or taking calls from many people, apart from my wife, my family. The rest is pretty anxious. Uh, it's just like, I don't know, it's icky, uncomfortable. That social anxiety that I just can't shake. So it's a great idea to just, you know what, this is coming up. We're going to discuss this. Here's the key points. You don't need to attend. I just want to convey this stuff to you. This is important. Let me know if you have any questions and have a great day. It's a pretty simple fix. All right, I could go on with a thousand of these, but just one last way your workplace could be discriminating against autistic employees is with strict dress codes. So I'll just talk from my own personal experience. 
Right. As an autistic person, I tend to only wear what I'm comfortable in. Okay, now, that clearly limits my choices. You know, I prefer to wear bright, coloured clothing and, I don't know, my own personal kind of style. <laughs> it can be a bit of a mishmash. <laughs> doesn't really bother me. I, I feel comfortable in the clothing I wear, so I do. But clearly my choices, they go much deeper than, well, is this bright enough or colourful enough or is this enough of a... Hawaiian shirt-looking kind of theme. They go to my own sensory challenges. So it's not just about the look, it's about the feel. The feel of clothing on your skin. Again, this can lead to sensory overload. Trust me, I promise you, it's not just children who are autistic that put on a school uniform or a type of clothing go, oh, it's scratching my back, or oh, it feels yuck on my legs, or it's making me itchy under my knee, or I just can't, I can't deal with this today. What's wrong with, you know, I just can't wear it. It's not, trust me, it's adults as well, I can tell you. There's so many ways <laughs> that I can explain this. In a workplace setting, let's talk about, I don't know, formal wear, suit wear, that kind of stuff, right? Work wear. So suits, for me, they can feel really claustrophobic, right? But they can also feel quite scratchy. I don't know, they're kind of like so unnaturally smooth. It just feels weird. I don't know, it's varnished your body or something. It's, I don't really know how to explain it, but they don't feel good, right? And they're really tight, I find, as what I'm basically saying is I only wear poorly fitted suits. <laughs> Leather shoes or work shoes, well, they just feel so tight. It's claustrophobic. You know, the laces done up, the hard leather, and it just it, it doesn't feel good. I obviously have my own unique style, like most autistic people. I think that's what's great about a lot of autistic people. Based on their sensory needs, they, what actually manifests is their own really amazingly personal style, their own real fashion sense. They really have a unique look. I think that's amazing. And, you know, sure, that unique look might not be great to regular everyday fashionistas, <laughs> But it's great for them, and at least they're individual. At least they know what, what works for them, and they've got the courage to go with it. Again, I don't care for the argument that you might not be autistic, you might be just a neurotypical person, meaning you don't have autism or any other disability, and you too would prefer not to wear work clothes or work shoes. I mean, that's, again, that's just more of a preference that it's kind of a bit annoying, but it doesn't lead to your autistic brain being so overloaded that you melt down or shut down and aren't able to function or process life, it's a bit different. So, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's just get to the ways we can fix this problem. Solutions to consider. How about providing autistic people flexibility in what they wear to work? Okay, well, you might think, well, no, no duh. But no, seriously, this is a big thing. Everyone, you know, most workplaces will assume, some have really strict dress codes, it's specific and others just have an assumed style, right? Like it might be smart, casual or whatever. Well, let's just imagine if you provide some flexibility for autistic people to wear what they feel comfortable in, they are going to feel not only comfortable in their own skin, but they are going to feel comfortable in their workplace and therefore they will be happy and content and they will be more productive. Win-win. Understanding that if we as autistic people feel comfortable and feel at ease, we are clearly going to be far more productive. So that's really a no-brainer. Putting aside, of course, safety concerns and things, I'm not for a second suggesting autistic people shouldn't have to wear safety gear in their workplace where it's appropriate and is required. Of course not. But 
you have to keep in mind, regardless of the environment, there are things you can do. You can find things you can do to provide a more welcoming, more comfortable, less overloaded workplace for an autistic employee. So I'm in no way suggesting that your workplace or workplaces in general are going out of their way to intentionally discriminate against autistic employees. It doesn't mean it's not true. I'm just not suggesting it in this particular podcast. (laughs) I hope that by just explaining and discussing some of the things that really are just day-to-day whatevers, right? For normal everyday people, who cares about these things? These are just workplace things, right? You want a job, just deal with these things. I hope that in talking about them, and the effects that such simple things can have on an autistic person. I hope it's, I hope it's got through to the point where you can kind of understand now how simple little things can really help an autistic person to, I guess, not only feel comfortable in their workplace and feel valued and feel safe and at ease, but it actually provides them with an environment to reach their absolute full potential, to maximise their productivity. And that, that's a win-win for everyone. Autistic people have a different brain. That's what makes us autistic. That's called neurodiversity, a diversity of brains, of thinking. Like every other facet of life, diversity is key. Diversity is critical. Without diversity of things, we're all stuffed, right? So if you have a workplace, a business, a company, a corporation, whatever, an organisation, you should not need me to tell you this. Diversifying. If you haven't got autistic brains working for you, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Sure, we're different. We might not interview well. But trust me, if we're passionate about doing something, we're not doing a job just for a job. We're doing it for passion and love. And and we, we commit and we love what we do. So using that diversity of brain is critical. And it's just an untapped resource. I don't understand why. This isn't about exploitation, by the way. This is about using a section of our community the autistic community, to provide your business and workplace or company a whole nother level of contribution and productivity while also providing them with employment that they actually desire. This is great for the community. This is great for business. This is great for everyone. We have to be serious about this. Neurodiversity is a positive. So it's time to put it to practice. My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. Join the conversation now at the Orion Kelly Facebook page. Thank you so much for listening to My Friend Autism. Look, I really do appreciate it. And if this episode has resonated with you, I'd love it if you would share it with your family and friends. Share it with the world so we can reach more people. If you'd like to continue the conversation, suggest a topic or area of autism to explore, or maybe you just want to say hi, like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook and send me a message via my website, orionkelly.com.au. That's O-R-I-O-N-K-E-L-L-Y.com.au. As you know, this podcast is here to break down stigmas and misconceptions around autism while increasing the level of understanding and acceptance of autistic people. Don't forget to go and check out my YouTube channel. Just find Orion Kelly, that autistic guy on YouTube. Subscribe and check out the videos. All I'm asking is for you to open your hearts and minds to people a little bit different to you and embrace the benefits of neurodiversity. Until next time, thank you for opening your mind and embracing differences. You've been listening to My Friend Autism with Orion Kelly. To join the conversation, get in touch with Orion 
and never miss an episode. Like the Orion Kelly page on Facebook or visit orionkelly.com.au.